0: How do we know that the logistics business holds so much promise that's where the money is hi everybody i'm bob bowman editor-in-chief of supply chain brain and this is a supply chain brain podcast The general public has only recently become aware of the crucial role that logistics plays in the global economy, but some far-seeing investors knew that before COVID-19 came along to paralyze supply chains. Take Red Arts Capital, a private equity investment fund formed in 2015 specifically to target growing logistics and supply chain companies. Nick Antoine and his business partner Chad Strader were only 26 years old when they started their venture. But they've already seen an outsized return on investment from their commitment. On this episode, Antoine explains what makes logistics such an attractive target for investors today and why Red Art saw the writing on the wall. We also learn how private equity approaches the sector when it jumps in, how long it commits, and when it might jump out. Finally, We'll look at how 2023 is shaping up for an industry that's facing both huge prospects and major challenges in the year ahead. Here's my conversation with Nick Antoine. Nick Antoine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nick, has logistics historically been an attractive target for private equity?
1: I think in areas it has been an attractive target. But our thesis has been that being an expert across the space helps us find opportunities that other groups may have overlooked.
0: Do you think, though, that there's a renewed interest among private equity in general in the logistics sector? And if so, why?
1: That's a great question. And I think the answer to that is yes. I think what all us experienced on a personal level is during the COVID crisis, a pronounced challenge within supply chains of delivering things to homes, to offices, to facilities when we needed it. And because we were all quarantined at home, it was an opportunity for highlighting how important supply chains are to the infrastructure and the fabric of our economy. And so mm-hmm. I do think there was renewed interest in our space, and perhaps increased interest, I should say, in our space because of those, those dynamics. But that sector has been an important part of our economy and our infrastructure for a very long time.
0: It's kind of put it on everybody's radar screen. I mean, the general public for sure, but in in the investment community, to the extent that those that had not paid much attention to it kind of woke up a little bit, huh? That's right. Well, when we talk about private equity interest in the logistics business, what types of companies are we talking about that are attractive plays? Are they technology-providing companies? Are they asset-based or non-asset-based logistics service providers? What is the profile of a company that you consider to be especially attractive target for private equity today?
1: Yeah. So private equity oftentimes like high free cash flowing businesses with limited capital expenditures. That being said, however, I think it depends on the industry or subsector. There there are lots of different niches. Keep in mind, this is an enormous part of our economy. And just, for instance, just trucking alone is almost a trillion dollar market. And so there's a lot of different businesses and industries that are compelling. It's just a question of Kind of turning over enough stones to find a hidden gem. You asked about technology, asset light versus capital intensive. I think that technology is certainly an area of significant opportunity. The sector is at the forefront of a lot of automation that I think we will see over the coming years and decades. And uh, visibility into supply chains is also a major area of focus for a lot of corporates and Fortune 500s, as well as smaller and middle market businesses. We happen to like businesses where We feel like we can add value to the company operationally and strategically. And so the way we approach investing is to spend a lot of time analyzing and and learning about a space before we make an investment. We oftentimes partner with executives who come from that industry and have built-in knowledge and expertise in that space. And so the idea is when we find an opportunity that's compelling or the weekend is compelling, we kind of already know how we can be helpful But it starts with building rapport with the management teams and the families that own these businesses. And I'll give you an example. We we made a number of investments in the less than truckload space. Less than truckload is the local pickup and delivery of palletized freight. It's an old guard industry. It's been around for over 100 years and is a predecessor to what we think of as the the long haul trucking industry, where you have one product on a 53-foot trailer that's moving cross-country into the driver's at home for weeks at a time. This industry has consolidated a lot over the past 20 years or so, particularly since deregulation in 1980. But what we thought was really interesting was that there were a lot of businesses in the Midwest and in rural markets that were still family-owned and operated and were providing significant value to small towns and communities where there wasn't another option to get a healthcare product or equipment or industrial equipment or even a refrigerator or treadmill to a, a town of 1,000 people or 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we were interested in, in helping those businesses grow and providing uh, a stronger platform for those businesses to East Coast carriers like a UPS freight that was delivering into into those rural markets. Now, that, that industry is highly capital-intensive, but yeah, the returns sure. on uh, the capital are also very high if you have a strong competitive advantage in your market. And so, again... For us, it's really less about a one set of characteristics, but a number of characteristics within the context of the space. And that's why we think it's so important to be a specialist. And that's why we only focus on supply chain.
0: More recently, of course, there have been challenges in that sector in the form of rising fuel costs, greater inflation, labor shortages, tr- trouble finding drivers. None of that has put you off on the prospects of these companies?
1: We actually divested of our major investments in pure-play, asset-based LTL in 2021. But we still find the area interesting. But again, going back to our approach, we considered a lot of those challenges before making an investment in the space. And so, for instance, driver turnover, which is a major challenge in trucking, for instance, and you see it very frequently in the truckload market, is less of a concern less in the less-than-truckload market because the drivers in those instances don't work weekends. They're often home every day. Or every night. And so the turnover is lower. And then in terms of fuel, you know, oftentimes fuel is a pass-through, particularly for larger carriers. There is fuel pressures for smaller businesses. And I think there were some articles about that during the, the pandemic about smaller transportation companies having those challenges. So again, going back to our approach, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the risks and the threats and the challenges that a business may be presented with through the course of our investments, and how we can help those teams and those families continue to to build their business. Right now, we're actually spending a lot of time in warehousing, in contract logistics, in packaging, in aerospace and defense. We are not solely focused on transportation. We see supply chain as encompassing a number of different industries. We, I think, want to be opportunistic and also thoughtful about where we spend our time.
0: So did you and your partner actually found Red Arts with a logistics or supply chain focus from the start? We did. And and why? I mean, what is it you saw? What was your background that made you see this as an area of great opportunity to launch this firm based specifically on that sector?
1: Well, I was really fortunate to meet my business partner, Chad Strader, I guess almost a decade ago. And uh, we really hit it off, friends, at first. And Chad had... Uh, interesting career background. He'd grown up in a, in a family-owned business that was in the supply chain space. And then uh, after college, he worked at Pepsi at their headquarters, and he worked very closely with a number of supply chain executives there, on um, more on the operational side. And so then when he came to private equity, he moved here to Chicago. Uh, he had a bit of a base of background in the space, but also had a number of really interesting and compelling relationships. And so as I mentioned before, We partner with executives who have relevant experience in that space. And so when we started uh, the firm together, we knew we wanted to be sector specialists. I had come from a firm called Ariel Investments that's here in town. And Ariel is a diversified asset manager, but their legacy business, their flagship business is value investing strategy in the likes of Warren Buffett. And uh, the founder, John Rogers, who I worked directly for with the chief of staff, He's a brilliant investor, and I learned a lot from him. And one of the things I learned from him was the importance of being focused. And so I saw the benefits of his focus and his consistency in that focus over a 30-, 40-year investment career. And so when Chad and I started the business, he and I both agreed that being focused was important. I had been more of a generalist investor historically, but Chad had this great head start and background in supply chain. So we decided to hang our hat there. And given the relationships we already had in the space, it was a great way to, to get started.
0: So I'm curious as to how a PE firm such as yourself even approaches a logistics company. Like at what stage of development in the target company are you interested in? Like a VC might come in at the very start. They might be an angel investor. There might be multiple stages of funding. Where do you come in and what is it exactly you do to help out these companies as you describe? We
1: focus on businesses Typically, they generate between 50 and 300 million of revenues. So these are mature stage businesses going concerns that oftentimes are generating at least $5 million of free cash flow or EBITDA or operating income per year. But we do look at more earlier stage businesses, particularly technology companies, where we feel like there, again, there's a specific angle where we can be helpful. So the next part of your question is where do we add value and how do we do so? Oftentimes, what we find is that businesses that are started by founders or are the next generation of ownership in a, in a family, sometimes there's some challenges with figuring out who the steward of, of that business is going to be for the, the next generation. There are no kids who want to run the business or extended family or management team who are interested in buying the business. They're looking for liquidity events, but they also want to make sure that the business continues to grow and the team and the people that are involved in making that business great are, are well taken care of. So That's mm-hmm. one where we, we can provide value and that's where we would come in is first providing that liquidity solution for the family. But then two, again, because we're focused on the space, is understanding how to help that business grow. Now, what I would say is that we're, we're not going to come in and say, we think these are the things that you have to do. Every business is unique, even within a specific industry, one of which we've seen many times. Every business has a different situation, different region, different team, different culture. And so we have to be flexible to create a solution and provide value in the way in which that business needs. So sometimes the business needs some support strategically on where to grow their business through acquisition or organically. Sometimes it can help on the technology side. Sometimes it's help on the sales team. Occasionally it's operational changes. But really, it's, the goal is how do we help the business grow? How do we help the business do even better than what they've been doing before? and get even better at doing it than they had been before. And Mm -hmm. we can bring forces to bear either relationships or again, capital solutions to help in that way.
0: Very much like the Buffett approach. Then the owners are retaining control of the company, even as you are aiding them with the funding and, and guidance and expertise for the most part.
1: Typically we are majority investors, but we do like when there's an alignment of interest. And so you mentioned Warren Buffett. We definitely think that Warren Buffett's on the right path with an approach of having an alignment of incentives. And that starts with ownership. So we we love to see owners who are passionate about their business, want to continue owning part of the business and remain active in the management and the day to day management of the company, which is very similar to how Berkshire Hathaway operates, right? So all becomes yeah. Buffett will invest in a business. He might own 80% of the business. 20% will still be held by the family. Buffett is very hands off. I think probably famously hands off from operations. And so mm-hmm. as the team will continue to running the business and they'll call him and let him know when they need his help. We're probably a little bit more hands on than that. But we again, we do deeply believe that management and if the family is so interested and inclined to being continuing to be an investor as the business continues to grow.
0: So it's a different investment model, is it, than, say, from a venture capitalist who will come in with an exit in mind down the road. They're coming in with with money, and they see like an IPO at the end of the road or a sale of some kind. That is not your goal with these companies that you're helping out?
1: As an investor, you want to generate a return on your investment. But again, I think that starts with focusing on what the most important thing, which is growing the business, growing the cash flows of the company, securing the competitive dynamics and, and the advantages that that business might have for the future. By doing that work, the hard work there, our belief is that the returns will come. So no, we're not interested in flipping things just for the sake of flipping them and um, getting in and out. We're not traders. We are long-term investors. And, and in fact, because our brand line is we invest for the long haul. So Mm -hmm. that is part and parcel of our approach.
0: Is it becoming as more and more investment type companies are realizing the value of logistics, maybe coming late to the table compared with you, it sounds like there might be kind of a crowded investment field. I mean, are hedge funds coming in? Are VCs coming in? We had a little moment there with SPACs, with special purpose acquisition companies, which seem to be fading now. I'm just wondering if you're kind of in competition with a lot of other investment options uh, when it comes to logistics field that maybe you didn't have to face before
1: yeah it's a good question we do see more interest in supply chain but again as i said earlier this is an enormous space we think that there's plenty of room for people to play and there's significant advantages to being focused on the space versus being opportunistic there's also a consideration of size of business we we focus on again we would consider middle market or uh, lower middle market type companies, again, businesses between 50 and 300 million revenues, some of which may be able to go public or go public through a SPAC or an IPO, but many of which are going to remain private and may remain privately held. And so we're not necessarily competing against the KKRs of the world of the TPGs, uh, which are the, the large cap private equity firms that invest in the space. We're competing against investors that may have part of their investment dollars geared towards a very specific sleeve within logistics, for instance, but might not completely encompass the entire scope of supply chain. And so, as I mentioned before, you know, trucking, for instance, alone is almost a trillion dollar space. We think that this is a a large percentage of the total GDP is through supply chain related services. So, again, I, I don't think that there's a challenge with finding the right opportunity.
0: So how do you feel, Nick, about the coming year in the world of logistics in terms of all the economic elements, um, interest rates, uh, inflation, labor availability, uh, customer demand, cost of capital, all that stuff? How is 23 look to you in in your space?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Again, lots of good questions. It'll be an interesting year next year. Uh, We have a number of different dynamics that are going to impact our economy and then supply chains. And so it depends where within the supply chain space we're talking about. But for instance, I think the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of challenges related to port flows, inbound port flows, outbound port flows, uh, particularly in the LA Long Beach area. That has changed dramatically where there were a hundred vessels sitting outside LA Long Beach. I think it's now down to two or three, maybe, maybe none. That has shifted to other port markets. So we've seen dramatic dispersion of freight volumes inbound through steamship lines to different port markets. I think we're also seeing a reshoring effort more focused on bringing things back to the United States for manufacturing and for processing to other parts of North America, including Mexico, a very large trading partner, if not the largest, depending on the day. And so I think that'll be an interesting dynamic to see how that impacts the reliability of delivery time and delays. So that might have an impact on inflation if transportation costs go down significantly. Uh, And they have been, rates have been dropping in certain areas for sure, both on the container side as well as on the the truckload side. The second part would be uh, on the labor side. I think that we've all benefited from the globalization of supply chains and the lower wages and lower labor costs that we've experienced are now coming back home as things are being reshorted. So Because of the fact that labor has been a major challenge for supply chains for a long time, and now we're seeing more reshoring, I think that we're going to continue to see some pricing pressure that relates to labor that will be baked in across the supply chain into our manufacturing industries and then later to the consumer. We also are seeing some developments on the interest rate side, and it looks like the the rate of increase is slowing. But it's anyone's guess as to what's going to happen next year as it relates to interest rates. And also, there's a long lag there as it relates to how the economy responds to those rising interest rates. So I do think there's some uncertainty, but I do think it's going to be a relatively robust year for supply chain. And if you look at balance sheets of of large corporations, the country's businesses are not overly levered. There is significant capital still available for investment. The banking system is not overly levered. I think that we're in a moderate area for growth. I don't think it'll be as robust as what we saw in the beginnings or the early stages of COVID.
0: Nick Antoine of Red Arts Capital, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me to talk about the world of private equity and logistics and just the prospects for this particular very powerful and very strong industry sector. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That was my conversation with Nick Antoine of Red Arts Capital, talking about the role of private equity in logistics and supply chain companies. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter at scbrain and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.